ask you a question. I'm just curious. I'm just kind of a survey of everybody here. But who, who of you likes to have pretty much everything planned out? I mean, as much as possible. Who's that kind of person? Now, who of you are kind of like the go with the flow, whatever happens, happens? How many of you are married to the other kind? Just curious. Okay, I see that. I know that can be a little bit of a conflict, but, you know, I think even the go with the flow, when it comes to big changes, you kind of want to know what's happening, right? You kind of want to know what's next or at least have worked out what you can. And it seems like, I mean, obviously there's some people who just want to wing it, but when life really depends on it, you kind of want to have it figured out, right? Right? I mean, you don't want someone who's kind of go with the flow working on your car. You want to know that's going to work, right? And when you go in for surgery, you want to know that doctor's got it planned out, right? You don't want him just figuring that out as he goes, right? So much of life can be like that, where we, it takes planning and preparation and good counsel. And there's a lot of things in life like that, that we want, we want to know some of the details. And we want to have some assurance of what's next and how things are going to go. Sometimes when we don't have those details, it's kind of hard to get started. I mean, you're kind of frustrated or you're a little bit hesitant or you're afraid of kind of the unknown or maybe you already have some negative history with this event, so it's scary. I mean, those things can be like that. One thing I've noticed about reading in the Bible is, well, let me ask it like this. I'm going to ask a question. Have you ever looked and seen people in the Bible? Were there any of them that kind of had it all figured out? Can you think of anybody? I mean, somebody who was really set up for success and prepared in advance on their own. As I well, Jesus, yeah, good answer. Yeah, Jesus is always the right answer. That's good. Actually, what I, I did have one answer that I thought kind of fit at first. I was thinking, well, there is the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was uniquely qualified to be the apostle that spread the gospel around the known world and uniquely qualified to write most of the New Testament, most of the books in the New Testament. And that's because he was trained as a Pharisee, I mean, trained to be a rabbi. He knew the Old Testament forward and backward. But becoming a Christian was out of his box. He wasn't ready for that. Not only was he not ready for that, he was not ready to set up the church and how it was going to function from then on in. So even he wasn't ready for this, and it didn't, that didn't work out for him. The problem is, if you stay in your box and where it's all comfortable... That's usually not where God is working. He's usually working outside your box. So if you're going to really accomplish what he wants you to accomplish, it means you have to get outside there. And what he needs to do in you, a lot of times he's not going to do in you still in the box and inside where it's comfortable. Because let's be honest, how many of you learn from your successes as much as your failures? We like to think so, but we don't. It's the failures that stick with you, and it's the failures that speak to you, and, and you, you realize, I need to change something. The problem is when things go right, you kind of look back and think, what was it that went right? Not sure. It could have been this or this or this, and you can't decide what it was to repeat because you don't know for sure. For God to really use you, you've got to get outside the box. But why, why do we hesitate to do that? It's that fear, isn't it? Because it's not safe. It's the fear of the unknown. And you do want something settled before you step out. What it really comes down to is faith and trust. Do you really believe God is who he said he is and that he will do what he said he will do? Do you really believe that he'll take care of you? Can you really trust his character? So you may be saying, how how am I going to know, though? How am I going to know if I'm ready to get outside the box? 
You know what that kind of reminds me of? Is if you ever talk to somebody and, and, and maybe they're about that age and maybe they know somebody and you're saying to them, you guys going to get married? You ever had any, you know anybody like that? And they're I'm not sure we're ready for that. Are you ever really sure? I mean, really? You think you are. And I think that was kind of God's design. He, he has us think we're ready because once you're into it, then you find out all the, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And then when you find all that out, right? <laughs> how about when people are talking about having a baby? They say, well, we're not ready yet. We need to have this much money. We need to have this, this kind of house. We have, who's ever really ready? I mean, really? Because you don't know what you're getting into, really. I mean, you could be taking care of a baby, but it's different when it's your baby, and that baby comes home with you every time, right? And in the middle of the night, it's your responsibility. It's different that way. We're never really, really ready for the things in life. I remember distinctly this one experience in my life where I will never forget turning and looking at the guy. I was actually down like this. And he said, are you ready? What happened was a friend of mine called me. This was a few years, a long time ago, actually. But a friend of mine called me, and he goes, my wife got me the best gift ever. It's skydiving you want to go with me i said yeah yeah and so uh this was in san diego and so we went there i went and we had to show up really early and we sat through a six-hour training and we we tried on the harnesses we did the whole thing and the guy lectured for six hours turned out it was just me and my friend in this class for six hours and at the end of six hours he says are you ready and we said yes but in the back of the mind our minds you know you don't really know if you're ready right this is not like driving a car i mean similar you could get hurt in a car but this is different right so we walk out to the plane has anybody ever done this before okay i'm not talking about military their their planes are way nicer than this all right so you okay a couple of you so we go to this little airstrip it's a tiny little airstrip down by the border in san diego and the plane is a regular little cessna but it's all stripped out inside and there's no doors. I mean, it's just a shell of a plane. And you've all heard that old joke about why I never go skydiving is because why would anybody jump out of a perfectly good plane? This was not a perfectly good plane. I'm just looking at it and thinking, I'm not sure I'm ready for this plane because I'm not sure this plane can get us up there. And so then they told us we had to crawl in on our hands and knees. And they stuffed my friend and I in. And I ended up crawling in first, just me, crawled in first. And then two other guys crawled in behind us who um, they just go there and, and try to hitch rides on because we were paying for the plane and they got to go free up and do, go skydiving. So I'm on my hands and knees and I'm right next to the pilot. He's, and I'm, when I mean next to the pilot, I mean my elbow's touching the pilot, okay? And so we get up and we get up to altitude and he says, are you ready? I mean, are you ready? I've never done this before. Yes, I sat through the training. Yes, we asked all the questions. Yes, we practiced a few little things. And I'm looking at him, and <laughs> this is the oddest truth. I'm thinking, I'm ready, but I have no idea what to do right now. Because this is one little gap. They did not tell me this part. I thought, like in the movies, you know, we would jump out or I, I don't know. And he goes, well, just crawl out there and hold on to the bottom of the wing. Yes, really. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, crawl out there. Maybe I've just watched too many cartoons. I thought... <laughs> I thought, you know, I'd be holding on to the plane and I'd be flying out behind it like this. It's not like that. This little plane's not going that fast. I mean, I crawl out there and I, I'm looking up at this guy and I'm holding on to the bottom and I'm just dangling like this. And he says it again. Are you ready? This is like the third time I've heard that, that question. And it's at that point like, I guess so. 
I mean, seriously, it's happening whether I'm ready or not. Do you see what I'm saying? I should leave you hanging there, huh? Yeah. Well, it's, it is comical because you are hanging there, and the wind, I mean, it's really loud and windy, but you're not, I mean, I'm not really flying up or nothing. You just have to get in your position and do your training, and it all works. And, and my chute did, did uh, twist up. Did you guys have that happen? They said it happens, you know, 10, 15% of the time. You just grab it and pop it open, and it was amazing. I recommend it to anybody. It's the closest thing to flying, flying, you know, outside of a plane that you'll ever experience. It was amazing. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. But now I'm more ready. Does it make sense? Why? I've done it before. I've done it before. I would know what I'm doing, and I wouldn't be so hesitant to get in that junky little plane because... That's all they need is a junky little plane. You're just jumping out of it. It's just going up and down and up and down all day. And they don't need doors because that's just a hassle to open the door. And there's no need for seats because the only one with a seat is the pilot. Right? I've done it before. I know what to expect. But that's the problem because so many things in life, when God is telling you to get out of the box, you've never done it. And when he says you're not ready, it's true because you're probably not ready. But one thing I've noticed is God loves using people who are not ready. I, I sometimes I look at the ways of God and I think he's got a sense of humor. Have you noticed that? I mean, when you read the Bible, you don't always see it right on the surface, but there's some funny stuff in there. And he does have a sense of humor with us human beings. I mean, he created this this way and then he likes using us when we're not ready. That's what he does. He just does it all the time. And I want to show you a couple of those examples. What he's looking for is people who are going to say yes, people who are willing Let's start off here. We just celebrated communion. So if you can jump into that time, and I want you to try to withhold and suspend all the rest of your Bible knowledge from that moment on. Can you do that with me for a minute? You are now the disciples. You've seen Jesus crucified. You thought it was all over. You ran and hid. Then he raises from the dead, and you're thinking, whoa, maybe he is the son of God after all, and all this stuff is real, and he appears to you a few times, and then he gets to the point where he's telling you he's going to leave again, and you don't know what's next, right? And these are his final words. Do you think these are important words? Final words from Jesus. Are you going to listen? You may even take notes. I don't know what those guys use to take notes with, but These are his final words right before he ascends into heaven. You might even think about them as the marching orders, right? This is what he says. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did Jesus ask them if they were ready? He didn't really, did he? You know probably why? Because I would say they were not ready. They were not. Did they have the class and the training? Yes, they did. But they weren't ready. You know what some of the things that show me they weren't ready? Did you catch how many of them there were? Eleven. Now for us today, we know the rest of the story. But for people reading it at the time, if they would have heard the eleven, that wouldn't have sounded right. Right? Why? They were so into numbers and twelve was a big deal. Twelve was a number of completeness. And when you say the eleven, 
It would have been like, hold up, we need to get someone else on the team because this team's not ready to play yet. That's what they would have heard. And, and for us today, you know, we look back and we know all the history and we know they, they elected Matthias and he filled Judas's place. And we know all that. And we know the stories about what the disciples did next. But for most people right then, they would have said, they're not ready. But there's something else in that verses that made me think they're not ready. Anybody pick it out? Did you catch that part? Some doubted. Really? Some doubted. I mean, think about, think about what you've lived through in your Christian life. Think about what these guys just came through in three and a half years. J- just shout out for me some of the miracles they saw. Just tell me. You're going to have to be shouting a little louder because I couldn't hear it. I heard it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, walking on water. Uh, healing lepers, leprosy. What else? Feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000. Raising dead people. Yeah, that's a big one. What else? Blind eyes seeing, crippled people, lame people. What else? Demons cast out, water into wine. Yep. The storm calming the seas, power over nature. Something about a soldier. Oh, putting the ear. That's good. That's right. Yeah, that was just days before he put the ear and healed the ear right on the soldier. That's right, because Peter, you know, wasn't obviously a good swordsman and pulls his sword out and whacks the ear. How do you do just the ear? I don't know, but he did. And Jesus healed that. And then Jesus rose from the dead himself, right? And some doubted. That's like saying, all right, all that was good, but what else you got? Right? How, How can that be? You know why? Because they weren't ready. Have any of you ever doubted? You know why? Because we're not ready either. And if you've never doubted, then you're an amazing person. But most of us have doubted at one time or another. And we may not always overtly, intentionally doubt God, but we we doubt what he's going to do with us because we know who we are. We know that we're inferior and incapable and we can't live up to the standards that we see in Scripture for ourselves or we think God wants out of us. So I may not intentionally doubt God, but I doubt what he has for me. And really, that's doubting him. But if you doubt, you're in good company because we're not ready either. That's just how it is. We're not ready. But here's what Jesus does. He takes us and he calls us and he he calls us to do things that he knows is in us, but we don't see it yet. It's kind of like on the job training. He says, you'll grow as you go. You'll grow as you go. But here's the thing. If you never go, if you never get out of the box, you'll never grow. And you'll never know the difference. And you'll just glide by and you'll be who you are. But he has more for you than that. He has more for you than that. And you may be sitting in your box and say, well, that's good for other people. I see that in them. But you know what? They probably see it in you. And more importantly, God sees it in you. So let's take a look at at some other people who who God didn't wait for them to be ready. He just took them because they were not ready. And you know the story. You know the story of Moses. Moses Moses had been around uh, at this point in life for 80 years. He spent 40 years in Pharaoh's palace. Then he spent 40 years being a shepherd. Now for us, on the other side of history, we look at that and we see incredible preparation for what God was calling him to do, don't we? I mean, where where better to learn how to lead two two million people than being in the, the prince of the court in, in, in Egypt, the greatest civilization of that time. He learned management. He learned leadership. He learned all those skills. And then you might think, what did being a shepherd learn him? 
teach him? <laughs> no doubt it taught him how to follow God and to commune with God and how to be alone and how to be lonely in leadership. It can be a very, very lonely place. And then God does this for him. He's shepherding, he's walking around, and he sees this bush that's on fire but not consumed. I mean, that's a miracle, right? That's why it caught his eye. And he walks over to it, and then he hears this voice speak to him out of the bush. And I don't know about you, I've never had that happen, ever. Nothing even close. I'm, not, I'm nothing ever close to that. I've never heard God's voice audibly speak to me. And I'd like to think that if I did, I would respond differently than Moses. But let's look at what he does. God says to him, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Wouldn't we all like to say, we'd say, all right, let's go. Let's roll, right? Let's do it. That's not what he says. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You would think, like God saying, what are you talking about? You've been there before. Who better than you? That's not, that's when his response. He's, he's so focused on, his, on his, in, his, his shortcomings and what he can't do that he can't see his way to get out of the box. And God calls him in a divine way and he can't get out of the box. So he says, well, if I get there, how are they going to believe me? Who's, who am I supposed to tell them is sending me? And he says, tell them the great I am is sending you. And he says, well, what if they don't believe that? Can you imagine yourself arguing with God in this divine spiritual thing? I mean, no, I can't either. But he is because that's real life because we argue with God all the time. We don't have the burning bush. But God calls us to lots of things that we hesitate and hold back and argue on. It might be something as simple as a conversation that you know you need to have with a coworker that God is speaking to you about. And you're saying, no, there's somebody better. And God says, he says to him, what is that you have in your hand? And what he had in his hand was just a common shepherd's staff. And he says, throw it on the ground. And it turns into a snake. Then he says, pick it up. And most of you would be saying, no way. I know you're God and all, but I'm not picking up a snake. And he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. And that's not enough. And he says, put your hand in your coat and pull it out. And it pulls it out and it's full of leprosy. One of the most dread diseases of the time because it ostracized you from all community. You couldn't be around any other people. And he says, put it back in your coat. And you're probably thinking, no way. I can't put this in my coat. And he does, and it's clean. Still not enough. It's not enough. And he says, I can't even speak well. And he says, okay, then take your brother Aaron. It doesn't end there because as you fast forward in the history of Israel, you've got this time period where where there's just complete disarray, and they're not following God, and then they follow him for a little while, then they're not following God, and each time God lets some of the neighbors of Israel persecute them, and in this case, it's the people of Midian, and what they're doing kind of reminds me of that old kid's movie, Ants, where the grasshoppers come and make them store up all the seed, and then they take it. It's exactly what's happening. The Midianites come, and they raid their farms and take all their goods, so we pop into this story, and this guy named Gideon is threshing wheat down in a wine press. He's hiding out, undercover, so no one can see him because he doesn't want the Midianites to come and take it from him. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and he says, mighty warrior. 
And Gideon looks up and thinks, me? You talking to me? He probably looks around like, me? Because don't you see I'm the coward hiding in the middle of the wine press? Then he says this to him. He says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites because I am sending you. Okay, miracle again, right? Miracle. The angels comes and speaks to you. God speaks, God speaks into his life what he doesn't see in himself. He says, go with the strength you have. He'd already called him a mighty warrior, and he didn't see that in himself. And then he's saying, go with that strength and do these mighty things. I'm sending you. How would you answer God at that point? Okay, let's go, right? But Lord, don't ever talk to God and say, but Lord. That just is rude. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least in my box. I'm it. I'm not worthy of this call. Gideon, that story blows my mind too because still God is so patient. And Gideon asks for a sign and so the angel of the Lord burns up the food that he had just served him. And that's not enough. You would think it's enough and this is where we get the story of putting a fleece before the Lord. So he takes the sheep's fleece the skin of a sheep and puts it out on the ground and he asks, hey God, I want you to make the, the, make the fleece all wet with dew but all the rest of the ground around dry and God does it. That's not enough. He says, now I want you to reverse it. Make the fleece dry and all the ground wet. God does it. <laughs> Seriously. And you can laugh at him and you can think less of him but we do the same thing. God has called us to things that we don't think we are capable of and he sees it in you and he calls things that are not as though they were, and you doubt him. And you ask him to prove it over and over because the box is more comfortable. It's just how we are. The funniest part of that verse to me is when Gideon speaks to him, he says, um, he says to him in verse 6, he says, Oh, sovereign. Oh, no, let me go to the next one. Let me go to the next one. The Lord gave me this message. This is Jeremiah the prophet. He says, I knew you before I formed you. In your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. How many of you feel pretty cool about that? Right? God saw you before you were born and had a plan for you and set you apart before you were even born. I mean, do you believe that about you? Really? Some of you do. I'm glad. But most of us feel like we're just one of many. Nothing special about me. And he tells Jeremiah this. And you would hope Jeremiah would listen, but he says... Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. So many excuses, aren't there? And really, we don't even have to try. It's like the excuses just roll off our tongue. What's funny about this one is he calls God sovereign Lord. You know what sovereign means? Like you're the one in charge. You're all powerful. You make all the rules. But too young. I mean, it's a direct contradiction. And then just a couple more. You know, there was times in the Jewish history where there were a country's neighbors were trying to exterminate them. And in this one case, they were actually uh, prisoners. And there's, there's an extermination plot. And, and someone hears about it. And it just so happens that his adopted niece is the queen. So he goes and tells her, Esther, you have to tell somebody. You have to tell the king. And this is her response. Then Esther told her servant, go back and relay this message to Mordecai. 
All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. Do you think she has faith to follow and get out of the box? Not so much. And the king has not called for me to come for 30 days. She wasn't ready. She wasn't ready for this. It's too soon. But let's, let's go look at a couple more. Later in their history, or before this happened, but Israel asks for a king. They pick a king. And, and Samuel's all part of this process, and they pick a king. And they come right down to it, and there's all these miracles ahead of time. God shows this, this next king, this first king of Israel, shows him. He, he, he prophesies ahead of time, tells him, you're going to prophesy. This man's going to come and tell you the donkeys. Are, I mean, there's all these things that line up. All these miracles that most of us probably wish for, that you'd see you know, almost writing on the wall and confirm it all. This all happens to this individual, and here's what happens. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. It sounds crazy to us in our mindset today, but what they did is they, had the, they, had the, they would cast lots, like almost dice. It's not quite the same, but they would cast lots, and God chose Benjamin, the tribe. Then he brought each family and again, they did that, and the, the family of Amritus was chosen. And finally, Saul's son of Kish was chosen. All this is God-ordained. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. <laughs> so would they ask the Lord, where is he? Do you remember Saul? Remember what was outstanding about him? Remember what the Bible says? He stood head and shoulders above everybody, super handsome. All the stuff you want in a king, right? All the things you think you need. And God chose him right down to the minute, just I mean, right down to the details. This next verse may be the funniest verse in the entire Bible. I don't know. Then the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. This was King Saul. He was not ready. But God had called him to something, but he wasn't ready. God had shown him different things and prophetic things that only God could do, but he still wasn't ready. And then when it came down to it, by lot, they chose his, his tribe, his family, his name, and he was still hiding in the baggage. It's funny, but at the same time, do you have baggage? A little play there on the words, but we have baggage too, right, that keeps us in our box, keeps us hiding, and God's called us, and yet we still hide. Because we all have a past, and we have hurts, and those things kind of keep us from jumping out of the box, because last time we did, it hurt. We got slapped down, and we felt like a failure, and things have been done to ourselves, and things we've done to ourselves, and things we've done to other people. And all that baggage keeps us from stepping out, because either we think we're not worthy, or we think maybe God had made a mistake, or we missed our time, or whatever it is. Maybe it's something somebody said over you, maybe when you were younger, or maybe something somebody you really cared about, the almost a curse that they said to you and it limits what you think you can do because somebody doesn't believe in you maybe it's something you've said to yourself for years your self-talk that runs that tape that runs in your own mind that you repeat over and over and over it's funny we all have baggage don't we we all hide in it or hide in it sometimes so you're not ready why aren't you ready Fill in the blank right there. You're not ready. I'm too, what? Too young? Some, did someone say stubborn? 
Did you really? <laughs> too stubborn? Are you too, too shy? Are you too, I don't know. I mean, there's so many of those, aren't there? And the, and the thing is, each of us have our unique set of things that we're too, that we don't think we can step out of the box. You might be thinking you're too weak or too old or too young or too sinful or, or too damaged or too dangerous or too poor or too shamed, too scared. Maybe you don't have enough education or experience or faith and God could use somebody else better. Do you know what? He doesn't do that. He chooses to use you. I want to read this exactly. You'll never serve or rise or be obedient unless you stop hiding behind your baggage. The fact is, God uses people who are not ready. He just does. He could do that. Because what he does is he calls you to something and you're not ready. And then he helps empower you. And then the things you didn't see in your background, like Moses, that he fits all together to fit what he's called you to do. I mean, I think if Moses looked back after those 40 years of leading the Israelites, maybe he would have said, you know what? God knew what he was doing. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And I don't, maybe you don't feel ready today. And maybe it's about you loving someone who's unlovable in your life. And God's been calling you to do that for a long time. And you realize you're not ready, but you realize if you step out, God will help you with that. Maybe for you it involves giving, and for you giving... You know, being faithful and giving to the church has been a stronghold for you because you've seen money misused or you've seen TV preachers. That's always been my issue. Just not all of them are bad. I get that. But I've seen abuses and it bothers me. But maybe God's calling you to do something there. For maybe some of you, it is going somewhere or with someone that you've never thought of before. For some of you, maybe it means giving up on something that you shouldn't be doing. I don't know. For some of you, maybe it's about adopting or fostering. I've heard some really cool stories lately that I can't wait for us to prepare and share with you about that. God does that. For maybe it's, it's you just going to a life group, and maybe you're kind of shy, and that's been hard for you to walk into a house where you know everybody knows each other, and you're going to be new. Maybe for you, it's starting a life group. And, and for you, it's just daunting, the idea of hosting and cleaning your house every week and preparing a Bible study and all that. I'll make a deal with you. If, if you'll get out of the box and lead the group, I'll find you a host family. How about that? We can take part, care of part of that for you. We can work some of that out. We can make that happen. Here's the thing, though. You'll never know what you're capable of until you step out of the box and let God work in you. I want to share one, one more scripture with you. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Here's the thing. Who accomplishes it? It is God. And whose power? His power. It's a mistake to think everything you're called to do out of the box is all on you. It's not. It's on him. And in this scripture right there where it says, how, how much more than you think or ask? And how much is infinitely more? Because the problem is, you're not being ready doesn't limit God. He doesn't have those limitations. And in the New Living Translation, it says what we wrote up there, infinitely more. But some of you may be familiar with other translations, like in the NIV, where it says immeasurably more. Or maybe for you, the New American Standard, which says far more abundantly. Do you get the picture here? You can't even, you can't, you can't even effectively communicate how much God can do. King James says exceedingly abundantly. That almost sounds too redundant, doesn't it? 
But that's how we, what we have to do when we're trying to describe something so big. And if that was sounded funny to you, here's the amplified version. Super abundantly. <laughs> Far over and above all that we dare ask or think. If I could have the worship team make their way up here. Are you ready for that, though? Are you ready to jump out that plane? Because... If you're not ready, you're in good company with all these heroes in Scripture. And if you're not ready, it's okay because God is ready. And he can do more than you could do anyway. And that if you'll get out of the box, he'll take you from there where you need to go. Because that's who he is. That's what he does. It's God. I said one more Scripture, but this is the last one. I want to take us full circle back to the disciples. Remember Remember when Jesus gave him that big challenge and it said some doubted and there was only 11? The end of that, he says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The thing is, you may not be ready, but you're never going to be alone. He doesn't kick you out of the box and say, go for it, have a good life. It's not like that. It's not like those yearbook notes. Remember you did that when you were senior and said, see you, have a good life. That's not God. It's not God. What God does is he tells us to get out of the box And then he walks with us through it, and he does what we can never do. What God wants from you is willing. He just wants you to be willing to trust him and get out of the box. Here's what I want to do for just a moment. Again, I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. The reason I'm asking you to shut your eyes is just for a little bit of privacy, because this first question involves probably the most most important decision that any of you could make ever in your life. And and getting out of the box is one of those things that for some people, getting out of the box means you trusting Jesus in the first place. And that can be a tough box to get out of. Maybe some of you have been Christians a long time and you don't remember how hard it was, but the fact is that for some of us, it's more comfortable where we feel like we can control everything and we know where everything's going to happen and that's inside a box. But Jesus is asking you to get out of the box and to trust him, to trust him to forgive your sin and to give you a new life and to guide you in a life that's better than you could ever imagine. Romans 10.9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you may not have every answer and you may not understand everything and there may still be questions or doubts that you have. You may feel like you don't look like a Christian yet and you're not good enough to be a Christian, but the fact is, no matter what you feel about that, God has the grace and he welcomes you today. He just wants to give you that forgiveness. So I'm asking this question. Anybody here for the first time you want to get out of that box and you want to trust Jesus with your life? Anybody like that at all? I'm going to wait a minute, so just raise your hand if that's you. I do see the hand over there. Anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand too. Anybody else? You want to trust him with your life. I do see that hand over there on the right side. Thank you. Anybody else? All right, let me ask this next question because it's equally important. How many of you feel like God has been calling you to something and you've just been hesitating to get out of the box, but this morning you're ready to trust him a little bit more? Anybody like that? I do see those hands. There's importance in you raising a hand, not for me. The importance is you communicating to God, yes, I hear what you're calling me to, and I'm gonna stand and do something about it. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. Would everybody in the room please stand? And as, as everybody's standing with the rest of you who are part of our prayer team and our board and wives, staff wives, would you make your down to the front? Because I want us to pray with some people today. 
there were three of you who raised your hand and said that you wanted to follow Jesus today. And if that's you, I'd love for you to come talk to one of us up here and just tell them what you've, the decision you made and have them pray with you about that and just reinforce that with you. And the rest of you who raised your hand for whatever change, if you would like some prayer just to help you with that, we want to pray with you. But it's not limited to that. Any other type of prayer you might need, if it is for physical healing or something going on in your life that you want some, just some, somebody to stand with you in prayer, we want to pray with you. So as a worship team plays, I just want to encourage you to come and let us pray.